aren't families uh, quirky? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be talking about families today uh, at this sort of Christmas season. Um, and uh, I think that there's a time when it's, it's an interesting time, isn't it? Sort of Christmas time where all the families come together. Um, and uh, it's a time where individuals kind of all act in a very sort of, um, at other times, act in a very appropriate way. Uh, but probably they're quite quiet and careful what they express. But when the family comes together at Christmas, it's almost like there's a switch that's flicked and everyone's allowed just to be themselves. At Christmas in particular, uh, it's a sort of that time. It's, it's, there are certain other times that are like that. Weddings, anniversary celebrations, um, families come together. Suddenly, we have young and old, reserved and outlandish extroverts are all bunched together in one room. And in many ways, it should be a recipe for complete disaster. But we call it family. Odd behavior, strong views are somehow accepted. All whizzed around in this kind of food blender of family dynamics. You know, it was great this week. Uh, I had the privilege of going to um, Kelly and Ben's wedding. And we've got parents here. Um, so I'm, I just need to be careful what I say in a sort of Matthew sort of way. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a privilege to kind of be included into what is actually quite an intimate family moment. Uh, you sort of see a snapshot as an outsider of the sort of amazing blend of these two families coming together um, to sort of steal an Americanism, as, the, uh, as Ben's American, okay? Um, I want to just talk about the sort of peanut butter. I'm trying to help you to sort of see how this blend comes together. Do you know what this is? What do you call this in America? <clears throat> peanut butter and jelly. Okay, yeah, we would call it peanut butter and jam. Okay, uh, and uh, I mean, if, I, I don't know who, who here is a sort of peanut butter fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but it gets better as you start to mix. You know, I, I got to uh, encourage. Uh, this is one of my favorites, um, to be honest. And um, I also like Marmite and peanut butter as well. That's sort of another stage on. It's sort of stage two. Uh, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> It's a sort of explosion of different tastes all coming together in your mouth at the same time, um, which is sort of what happens as families kind of, kind of come together like that. You've got this, this mix that happens. Christmas time is a regular event that families come together. Uh, I learned this week that kind of different nations, you know, uh, I had sort of connections with sort of Spanish and Germans and Americans. Uh, they sort of celebrate a different day, so they're sort of Days they give out presents are a different day than we would give out presents and that kind of thing. Uh, and the days they kind of feast together as a family is actually a different day. Um, but basically the same thing happens. Um, there's a sort of, it's a time where there's sort of slightly strange sort of Uncle Jack turns up with his latest girlfriend and uh, <laughs> for the next sort of three hours dominates the conversation with sort of offbeat antics of the last year. Granny falls asleep. Uh, Susan is desperate to play her latest board game. And mum just wants to sit down after 
being in the kitchen since 5.30 in the morning. I, I can remember, I don't know what your kind of Christmases are like or what you can remember your Christmases like. It made me this week think back to my own Christmases when I was just a, a wee boy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I can still remember my gran coming over, okay? Uh, she was in her 90s. I was somewhere between three and four, and yet I've got memory of her kind of coming along, and this is Granny. Oh, it's Granny coming in. I can remember her. Um, I had an Uncle Basil. They were great names in those days. Uncle Basil and Auntie Jean. They had no children of their own, uh, and uh, so they always came to ours. And it's kind of funny looking back, uh, because as a child, you're just totally unaware of the kind of awkward tensions that really are around, the kind of adult awkward tensions. And you're just, yeah, it's just Auntie Jean. And, you know, the fact that she was a shop girl and my uncle was the kind of boss of the shop, for me, it was just like a fact, you know. But actually, what I hadn't realized is that, you know, he kind of crossed a number of sort of familial taboos by doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of, I used to wonder my, uh, again, I, I don't know how old I was here, maybe about six or seven, but I can remember him taking so, so long to reach out and grab the salt. And I, I can just remember that. <laughs> I can remember this hand. And at the time it was just funny. And then later I realized he had Parkinson's disease. And it, it was kind of like, and nobody was, nobody was gonna tell a six-year-old, Look, your uncle's got Parkinson's disease. That's why he's taking so long. And I used to sort of grab it for him and kind of bring it to him, you know. And um, it's funny the things that you remember. Um, the beauty of families. They have that sort of quirky history, that kind of backstory that then becomes your backstory. Uh, you grow in understanding as you grow through it. You grow, as an, uh, you grow in grace, don't you? As you kind of learn all these... At first, people that kind of annoyed you you then sort of realize some of their backstory, and then you think, oh, I actually, I understand now why that, why, why she's like that, or he's like that. Uh, and they must probably think the same about you. Um, and, you know, that's part of it. God kind of uses that in that sort of way. Well, it's in the sort of midst of this melting pot of grace that uh, God actually fashions us, and there's actually sometimes moments of incredible depth uh, I want to say you can't really pretend um, with your own family, okay? They're, they're not fooled by outward show, are they? Um, you kind of, you know, you might sort of tip up, not that I've done this, but, you know, you could tip up in your sort of flashy car to kind of impress, you know, and other people are like, wow, impressive car, you know, and your family's like, yeah, you, you obviously just think that to spend that kind of money you know, you, you, what's the matter with you? You know, you're kind of, you know, you try to impress other people. They're, they're, not, they're not affected by that. Families are also a place to kind of go to, often in a time of crisis, because you know that they will accept you just as you are. Just as you are. You don't have to do anything. It doesn't matter, because actually they just know you, and you can kind of go there, and it's at those times of crisis that actually they're there for you. I want to look at such a crisis that happened um, in the Bible, in the sort of nativity story. And I want to pick it up uh, and look at it in Luke's gospel, okay? Now, I've got to tell you, this is one long passage. And first of all, I kind of, I, I kind of when I was on to about my fifth slide, <laughs> I kind of thought, 
this is, this is really long. I think I'm just going <laughs> to summarize it and just read the last bit of it. Um, interestingly, I just want to say that Luke's the, the, the only one to pick up this story. And I kind of looked in the other Gospels this week and I thought, yeah, well, where does this story come in, you know, John and Matthew and Mark? And I thought, it's actually not there. Only, only Luke has brought it in so that we understand it. And I, that made me sort of ask questions about why was that? I'll cover that in a moment. So Luke begins by telling this story about Zachariah, who we'll call Zach, because um, it's kind of a bit of a mouthful of us, and Elizabeth. Uh, before, um, before he gets on to talking about Mary, Zach was this priest. He lived in the temple. They worked these kind of shifts, okay, a bit like serving teams that we would have kind of on a Sunday, except that ours are kind of one in four uh, and called different colors, and theirs was kind of one in 24. So they kind of served kind of one week every sort of twice a year. Okay, so here he is, um, and these priests also had a, a once-in-a-lifetime, some of them didn't even get the opportunity, but it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to actually light the incense in the altar in the sanctuary. So one day, um, actually, they, and they, they drew lots for this. So they kind of like, they said, okay, you, you know, it's like, but like choose this shortest straw type of thing. Um, you know, and, the, and it fell on Zach. And uh, Zach, it was Zach's turn. It was Zach's day. This was his one day in his lifetime as a priest that he was actually going to go into this place and actually set the, the, uh, the altar. And um, so another bit of information about Zach is that his, him, he and his wife were aging. Uh, really, Zach was really quite old, and they'd been childless all their life. And suddenly, as he's kind of burning this incense, this angel Gabriel appears, okay, and tells him that you're going to have a son, Zach, and you're to call him John. And John will be filled with the Holy Spirit actually before he's born. And he'll be a prophet preparing the hearts of God's people for their coming Lord. Zach struggles to believe any of what Gabriel tells him. And as a consequence, is struck dumb until John is born. However, he goes home, spends a bit of time with Elizabeth, and lo and behold, she gets pregnant straight away. Six months later, Gabriel is sent on another mission trip, this time to go and see Mary. Mary is a virgin. We know more about Mary, don't we? Mary is a virgin betrothed to be married, and she is told that she will have a son, Jesus, simply by the Holy Spirit coming on her, and he'll be called the Son of God, picking it up at this uh, verse 35. So the baby will be, to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, 
Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Just repeat that last line. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Lord, we just pray right now. We just say, come, Holy Spirit, come on us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship together, this time where we're listening to you, this time of just dedicating these children to you. Thank you, God. I'm not sure why this passage is just in Luke. Maybe, why did he bring it out? Maybe he wanted to, kind of, as I was thinking about it, join the kind of Old Testament and the kind of New Testament. John being the first prophet in Israel for hundreds of years. Or maybe he was emphasizing this kind of miraculous nature of John and Jesus' birth, both of them coming with angelic visitations. Or maybe he was wanting to link this family connection. There There was a connection between Elizabeth and Mary. The Bible talks about them being cousins, uh, whether they were actually, as we would say, sort of first cousins or just kind of connected relationally, but they were, they were relatives of the same family. Or maybe it was the timing of God. Here was Mary finding herself in this extraordinary position, knowing that soon it would be obvious <laughs> that she was with child. She clearly wasn't married, and who are you going to confide in at a time like this? Well, what we hear is that she goes immediately to Elizabeth's. Quite a long journey, by the looks of it, and stays there for three months. Okay, She stays with Elizabeth for three months. Maybe she'd spoken to Joseph about it, her husband-to-be, and really he was like, you know what, I there's nothing I can do about it right now. It's like, you know, whether he believed it or not, we don't know. We don't have much information. Um, but he, she goes to Elizabeth. In some ways, they were both in similar boats, as it were. The angelic visitation, a son born within a few months of each other. There was a kind of clear call of God, of God's purposes for the redemption of Israel on both of them. Elizabeth would understand She could talk freely without fear of being misunderstood to Elizabeth. She'd also be able to encourage Elizabeth herself and share her joy with her so the two of them would be able to really talk about it. There must have been connections made at this time that held them in good stead for later on. Little did they know at the time that they would both have to cope with the loss of their sons at a young age. Families are safe places, or they should be. Places where you can talk about pressures and struggles, and at the same time encourage one another. They're places where we can get advice and help raising children. Places where we become informed about different 
generations. Much of our own friendship circle often is kind of our own age. So we don't sort of get that mix in the same way that we do within our families that kind of straddle time zones, sometimes decades apart. I think about my gran, okay, and I was kind of thinking about this, and obviously I was kind of too young at three and four, I, 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 she died when I was four, uh, to really get a lot of stuff from her, okay, but when I think back, I think, you know, not only, Gran, did you kind of live through the Second World War and the First World War, but you, were, you could remember the Russian Revolution. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible when I think about the sort of, you know, the time zone, kind of born in 1870s something. There's something very comforting and stabilizing to have that longevity of perspective, isn't there? Yeah. And the great thing is that my gran was a Christian. I, I know my gran was a Christian. Uh, I'm sure she prayed for me. My parents had kind of become somewhat secular. And actually, you know, but I think, you know, she must have prayed for me there, kind of even though I was so young. Um, I'm sure that Elizabeth and Zachariah would have been able to encourage Mary as older kin, uh, Mary being quite young, uh, but actually talking about God's faithfulness over the years. When we spend time with our families over Christmas period, whether you are the grandpa or the parent or the aunt or whoever, whichever part you are in that, we can see it as just one of those things that we sort of have to put up with every year. Or we can see it as this great opportunity to bring grace and love to family members that we don't see that often. And I want to encourage you to actually be alert for that, to actually say, God, help me not just kind of like kind of go through it and think this is just what I've got to do, but think about the opportunities that are there to come alongside dear old Uncle Robert, even if he forgets your name at times. Yeah. Come on, you know, actually believe that actually God wants to use that for you. Secondly, um, I'd like to bring out some other things from this passage. First, I like, um, I think that Luke is highlighting to us this amazing timing of God. You kind of bumble into Christmas, kind of low expectations. God wants to use us, especially with our family members. Look at this timing. Look at this point that Luke is bringing out. Here he is, a priest all his life, in his latter years. Not only does it happen to be the very week that actually he's serving in the temple, it tells us in the passage, Luke tells us that he was sort of from the kind of serving team called Abijar, okay, which was ha happened on the, so it was the eighth one in, in sequence, okay, so that was the one he was on. As I said, twice a year, two times uh, a week each time, twice a year. Not only was he happened to be on the right week, but he gets picked through lot, a lot to be the one at the altar. Something he would have never done before. And, so, and that's the only time he gets left alone. All the other priests kind of disappear. They, they go away. They, they, it brings it out in the passage. They're kind of waiting in... Off, um, in the back somewhere, and they're kind of thinking, well, what's he got up to? You know, and when he does come, he can't actually say anything. Um, 
And it's at that moment that Gabriel appears and speaks to him. The timing of that is incredible. There's a timing in Elizabeth getting pregnant when she did, after years of barrenness. There's a timing of Mary getting the revelation when she did, becoming pregnant at that point, being told that her relative was six months pregnant when she was. And I think, you know, that God wants to encourage us to see behind the scenes more, to be in expectation of amazing timing ourselves, that he's working away at things, being ready, that actually at times we might have gone along and kind of, we just thought, oh, yeah, it's just going through the family thing again. You know what? This year, this year, it could be just timing that is in God, that actually this particular person says, you know what? I really want to, can I just chat to you a moment? Can I just talk to you about what's going on here? And suddenly, there's an opening. Suddenly, it's actually, it feels like, wow, this is like, suddenly I'm, we're, we're talking on a level that we've never talked about before. I want to say God's got his timings. You know that? God's got his timings. And also that, thirdly, that Mary enters Elizabeth's house. We're told that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Mary is carrying the Son of God within her. Okay? And although it is different, as Christians, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are carrying Christ. We're going, and we're actually connecting. God's actually with us. God's Spirit is with us. And that affects others as we come into a room. As soon as they came into the room, uh, Mary came into the room, suddenly, wow, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what had been predicted. She'd be filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. Isn't that amazing? And there's just a, a time where I'm saying, actually, we, we often kind of think, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm a Christian, yeah, yeah. We're, we're carrying, we're carrying God with us. Look at this scripture here, 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are a fragrance, a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. We bring this sweet aroma into the room. When you're visiting your family this Christmas, if you know God, you are bringing the very sweet aroma of Christ into that place. Isn't that amazing? Yeah? And finally, I think Luke points out the very different responses that, to God's revelation. The, the responses that Zach had compared to the response that Mary had. Both the same angel, both, I mean, for Mary, absolutely kind of hard stuff to swallow. You are going to get pregnant and you're not even married yet. 
you haven't had any sexual relationships and yet you're going to conceive a child. And yet she responded immediately with faith, such that Elizabeth, her relative, says of her, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed. You know what? I want to say this to all of us, myself included. So I'm speaking to my own heart here as well. God loves faith. He loves us, even a little tiny, little wee bit. He loves it. He loves us just to say, you know what? When I come with some good news for you, be open-hearted. Be at a point and say, wow, I believe that. I believe that. That is fantastic. That is good news to me. That's how God wants us to be. Quick to respond. Let's be people that can lift up our eyes and believe that God has amazing plans and promises for us. Do you believe that? Yeah? God has, I want to say this, whether you know Jesus here or not, you know what? God has amazing plans and purposes for your life. He had some amazing plans for these two moms and their sons, but he has amazing plans for us. Dear Zach, he, he just struggles. He, he, here he is. He's been asking all his life. <laughs> here I am as an old man, and we just haven't been able to have kids. He's asking all his life for this. He's asking for God to break in. As, as a priest, he would have asked more than most. And here it is, God turns up in the shape of angel Gabriel and speaks this word to him. You know what? You're going to have a son. And yet he struggles so much to accept that it really could be what God has for him. He really struggles. You know, we can be like that. We want God to speak to us. We want God to reveal himself to us. And then when he does, we, we sort of question its validity. Is this really you? No, 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 let me just get this straight. Is this really you speaking to me? An angel appears to him. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, he says, how can I be sure it will happen? How, uh, you know, this angel appears. Yeah, yeah, but hang on. How can I be sure? I'm thinking, you know, how many people here have seen an angel? You know, there's an angel appears to him. Yeah, well, wait a minute, hang on a minute. That's, that's, but you know what? I, I just feel like before we kind of say, yeah, how terrible that is. Yeah, you know, I, I want to say this. I want to say that, I want you to notice that Zachariah and Elizabeth don't have the promise of the child taken away from them because of his attitude that is kind of just not exactly grabbing it with both hands, Okay. I think it's important to hear that God's grace is so good with each of us. And often we are like that. We're just like Zach. We're like, yeah, but I, yeah, no, I, I can see the miraculous thing. I can see God kind of, I can see this thing. How do I know? How do I know? And we kind of ask those kind of questions. And actually God's saying, 
yeah, some, some are kind of really there with it. They're kind of just like Mary, and they're kind of on their front foot. They grab it with both hands. They're like, yeah, I just believe. Anything you say, I'm just your servant. Everything you say will come true, she says. And some of us are a bit like that. And we struggle. We struggle to hear. We struggle to believe. But you know, God understands that. And I want to say that. God understands that we struggle. And he's patient with us. He's patient with us. And he says, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I understand that you have some difficulty with this. God's grace is there for all of us. Every single one of us. He's there with all, all our little quirkiness. He's there for you and for me, for Uncle Robert, tired old Gran, hyper Susan. He's there for each and every one of us, and he's got time, and he wants to give us opportunity to respond in our own way. I'm going to give you opportunity to respond if you don't know Christ in just a second. I know that there's many of you here that you've asked God to show yourself to you. I, I can still remember the day when I was, in my, I was 17 and I called out to God. I didn't really know what I was saying except that I do know the spirit of what I said it in. And I just said, God, if you're real. Somebody had said, oh yeah, no, I, I'm a Christian. And they talked to me a lot about it. And then I said, okay, God. And I was really speaking to God. So the first time I was really speaking to him I was really accepting that he was real just by speaking to him. You don't speak to somebody who's not real. You, you know, I was speaking to him and I was saying, if you're real, help me. And there was a step of faith that I made. And you know, God just, at that moment, the Spirit came on me. At that moment, I was filled with a joy and a peace that came from him. And I want to give you the opportunity to make this step today if you've never done it before. Let's just bow our heads in prayer a second this will just take a minute and I believe that as we respond to him he sees it and it solidifies something in our hearts so as we outwardly respond and I'm just going to ask you just to quickly put your hand up and bring it down again okay on the count of three and you're just saying God as I do this I'm saying I want to know you and I'm taking that wee step that's saying, I don't know you, but I'd like to. That's all you're saying. You know, God loves you today. He has great plans for you. Two, you will never be the same again. Three, why don't you just pop your hand up? If that's you, and God's actually touching your life. And he's saying that to you. He's saying, yeah, I want, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show myself to you. Don't be afraid. Just put your hand up where you are. Okay, if you've responded this morning, I would like to be able to give you a Bible, okay? 
uh, and we've got Bibles both upstairs and downstairs for you to get, okay? So uh, if you just want to come to the front, come to me, I will give you a Bible, um, and we're going to do it that way. And I'm going to just wrap us up in prayer now. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I thank you that you are patient with us. You have time for us, God. You want us to respond to you. I thank you for families. I thank you, God, that, Lord, all the quirky nature of it, and yet actually you set us in families. Lord, pray, Lord, that you use us this season. Lord, as we mix with relatives and uncles and aunties and parents and grandparents, that God, you'll help us to just know that actually you're with us. Speak to us, God, in it. Thank you, God. Amen.